0: Two, Zach, Mace, RK, and the bar Three for Mr. B in that old trophy case Number four, we're still waiting for Well, bring on the chase Out on the field, a mile high Broncos, when it's our side Couple with a pregnant crew And a friendly
1: lead Blue To the bitter wind. Come and join us, the and we are
0: Oh, Zach, don't you just love learning lessons and winning football games at the same time?
1: Oh my goodness. I think Broncos country, Ryan, is still catching their breath, making sure their heart is still pumping. And look at the Denver Broncos on a two-game win streak, Ryan.
0: Two-game win streak. Drew Locke is back. Philip Lindsay is back. And the entire narrative around this team has shifted in a four-hour period. Uh, Zach, there's a lot of things you can criticize, and there's places you can go uh, with this game. But we'll get to that eventually sometime. Uh, but honestly, right now, I don't give a damn about those things. Because the Broncos at one point were ten and a half point underdogs in this football game, Zach. That means that that Vegas didn't think they had a, a, a chance in hell to beat the New England Patriots. And they went in there and they stomped on Cam Newton. They hit him all day. They made him uncomfortable. They executed a fantastic de- uh, game plan on defense. Drew Locke moved the ball. He made great throws, most of which weren't caught. And... They executed on special teams for the most part, mostly pointing at Brandon McManus here. And they went in there and they won a football game that no one was giving them a chance to win. So we'll talk about that other crap. But this is absolutely massive for the Denver Broncos.
1: Well, I don't want to put the other crap to the side. No, we're putting it
0: to the side. No, well, Ryan,
1: Ryan, but here's the thing. The Broncos had all that other crap and still won a game. And that shows me what this team could be even in Drew Locke's first game back, even in Philip Lindsay's first game back, even without Melvin Gordon, even without Noah Fant, the Broncos went in there, and for most of the game, they made the Patriots' offense absolutely look terrible. Uh, only three points throughout most of the game. Uh, the Broncos could have had way more than 18 points in this game, but Ryan, I you, you do have to look at the whole picture here, and the Broncos dominated this game until it mattered. And then it really mattered. On fourth down, the Broncos came up big. I mean, if the Broncos don't get that fourth down stop, it is crazy just how the narrative shifts. But now a two-game win streak, and Ryan, they have an opportunity on their hands right now to be 3-3 and in one week, coming on a three-game win streak and only half a game back of the Kansas City Chiefs. It is crazy how this season has flipped on its head. It started when the Broncos had to beat the Jets and they did that now beating the Patriots. Now the Patriots have a losing record. The Broncos have the same record as the new England Patriots coming off a huge road upset. And the first three quarters, the Broncos played really good ball uh, until it really mattered. The Broncos are learning a little bit of how to close. They learned it with that big fourth down stop. They need to learn how to close in the red zone, that's for sure. But the offense played, for three quarters of the game, played way better than just scoring 18 points. And that is encouraging to not play well in so many areas and still come out with a 10-point upset victory.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people with uh, with negative feelings about this game right now. I can't get over it. And and we'll, we'll get to that stuff later. I promise we will give those things uh, the light of day. But Drew Locke... A lot of people are going to look at this box score and say, oh man, Bronco's really in trouble with Drew Locke. They put too much confidence in him. Um, You might even look at some advanced stats that say uh, Drew Locke was bad on deep balls and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, There's going to be a lot of people who don't know much about football who want to jump all over Drew Locke after this game. Zach, I am more sold on Drew Locke after this game. Now, There is certainly teachable moments. And that's what I said. Winning and learning at the same time is like the best thing you can do, especially with a young quarterback. There is definitely teachable moments throughout this game. But Drew Locke played well enough to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns at the least. And his guys didn't uh, didn't haul in balls for him. And that's okay. That's okay. But on top of that, this offense moved the ball into scoring position time and time and time again. Six times, in fact, uh, as the scoreboard would reflect. So I get that, you know, the the stats didn't turn out very well for Drew. But if you watched this football game, you know that Drew Locke uh, is a massive upgrade over anything else the Broncos have. And simply, he could, like, Drew played well enough to have a fantastic game. He can't control whether or not the balls are going to be caught on the other side. <laughs>
1: Well, I do think this needs to be broken down into two things, Ryan. In the first three quarters, Drew Locke was tremendous. Yes, 300-yard performance, uh, three or four touchdowns, just in the first three quarters right there. An incredible game, could have put up easily over 30 points. I mean, we're talking about uh, a dynamic offense, an offense that was always scoring, even if it was just field goals. The fact that the Broncos didn't punt till the beginning of the fourth quarter is incredible. But then Ryan, I can't just look past the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter was worse than Brett Ripon's fourth quarter, if you can believe that. Against the Jets, it was awful. That is not how you close. But fortunately, Drew Locke of the offense did just enough in the first three quarters to make sure that that's not the lead story of this game right now. Is Drew Locke absolutely blowing a game? But I don't think you can I- I- ignore uh, the fourth quarter where Drew went one of five for eight yards two interceptions and have four negative rushing yards. So the Broncos at the end of the day, they got the win. So I do look at this as as a good game for Drew, because like we said, in the first three quarters, he was on pace for, you know, he could have been on pace for a 400 yard game, four or five touchdowns. So very, very impressed with what Drew did at the end of the day. He won the freaking football game in new England against a good Patriots defense. When Drew, when Bill Belichick was throwing everything at him in the fourth, they they were doing all sorts of stuff on defense. But then also on offense, they were calling multiple trick plays. You could tell Bill Belichick uh, needed this win. He was going to do everything possible to get this win, and Drew Locke still got that dub.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, we'll talk about it because you just can't help yourself right now. Um,
1: I'm, I'm just being realistic.
0: No, but I, I, I'm trying to talk positives and then move on to the negatives later. But we'll we'll do it right now. So in the fourth quarter, I felt like uh, the play calling consistently put the offense, not just Drew Locke, but the offense in bad positions. Super predictable, super um, vanilla, super vanilla, I think. And then out of nowhere – Uh, just completely unnecessarily aggressive. Um, You know, if, if the Broncos were down, were up eight, I would have supported the idea of throwing that back shoulder ball on third and 11. I think it was Zach. Is that right? Yep. Um, And I would have said, that's the right call there. You got to keep the ball. You got to make sure that, you know, you're not giving them the ball back with too much, uh, too much time, but they're up nine. That's the time where you play. It's conservative. You run a draw you take uh, another 40 seconds off the clock and you punt it. Uh, I was really not a fan of that decision. And then I, I don't know if that was Drew Locke's fault or Tim Patrick's fault, who, uh, who? whether it was supposed to be a back shoulder, supposed to be the go route, uh, clearly there was an option there and they were on the wrong page. Then to come back, once you get the ball back, and on first down, not even go play action. And what I saw was only vertical routes. It's just mind boggling. Like. It just makes no sense to me to put the quarterback in the position. Now, again, that one is more on Drew because he needs to realize that it's not there and not throw it. And he didn't. And so that one I'll put on Drew after I put it on just an atrocious play call. But before that, it's like you were you were passive in the wrong times and aggressive in the wrong times. And that goes on the whole offense. But, it, it you know, you you can't put it all on Drew. There's definitely a... Uh, a part of that that has to go on Pat Shermer for just really pressing the wrong buttons all fourth quarter after pressing the right buttons the first three.
1: There's no doubt about it. I absolutely hated that call on first down to come out and just go deep, try to end the game there. Uh, Be smart. Just win the game. Don't worry about how it looks. Just win the game, run the clock off. But Drew cannot throw that ball. Uh, It was not open. Can't do that. And then I do put that on Drew uh, or Tim Patrick. Uh, That that was just a, a, a bad decision by Drew. So yes, not good play calls, but but Drew did not make right decisions. Where Drew did make right decisions, Ryan, it's in the first three quarters where, man, I loved the aggressive play calling. And that's when you can do that. And I loved it. I love that they just went to it, went back, went back. I loved some of the play calls where, where you had so much pre-snap motion that was confusing the Pats defense, getting things open. So Pat Shermer, just like Drew Locke, I thought was great in, in, in so many aspects in the first three quarters. And of course the, the red zone play calling no, we can talk about that too. So I'm not saying he was perfect in the first three quarters, but then terrible in the fourth quarter as well. But I loved all the shots the Broncos offense took and Brett Rippon took a couple shots against the jets, but you could tell the drew locks, the guy that's going to take shots at Pat Shermer feels comfortable taking shots with drew Locke back there. And uh, what did we have? We had a Jerry Judy, drop touchdown. We had a couple of Albert O drop touchdowns. Now that first one would have been a really tough play. I'm not calling that a drop, but it was catchable, uh, for him. And and you had a couple other ones as well that hit receivers hands. So, and those are the touchdowns that that we're talking about, Ryan, that, that could have been touchdowns. Drew didn't have to do anything different. Uh, Uh, and he put the ball there. Of course, the deep one, to Deshaun Hamilton in the fourth quarter where it goes right through Deshaun's hands probably wouldn't have been a touchdown but I mean that would have ended the game right there wouldn't have had to worry about a fourth and ten for the Pats
0: yeah and that's exactly it um it's it's a weird game you know uh the the Drew Lock naysayers which I I see a couple here in the comments will have ammo for what they you know for for their narrative um and and that's you know the weird thing about this game is like Drew Locke certainly wasn't perfect, but I, I feel like a lot of people are losing perspective of who Drew Locke is, where he is in his career. This is the sixth, this is a seventh game that he's played start to finish in his career. You know, we're talking about a rookie, a rookie who hasn't even played half a season. Now, yes, he had an offseason, kinda, you know, you can't even say that really, that he had a full offseason with the team. So he had less than half a season, a, you know, truncated training camp. And then, um, you know, two games, one of which he got injured in. And now he comes back out for another game coming off injury. Like, if you were expecting perfect, then your your expectations are completely out of whack. What I'm expecting is a young quarterback to show signs that he's the guy. And that's what I got. And, and in the process, the Broncos also won the football game. And it's a perfect opportunity for me to talk about why the Broncos won the football game because their defense was freaking awesome. Uh, You know, Drew did enough, and that's what you ask of your quarterback and your offense every game. But remember, I said it all week before the game, 24 points. You got to score 24 points if you want to expect to win on the offensive side of the ball. They didn't. And I said, you got to give up less than 24 points if you want to win on that side of the ball. Well, they gave up half that. Uh, And that's where this team won the football game perfect game plan. Um, I talked a lot about condensing the field and bringing the safeties up. I thought they did a really great job of doing that. The pressure on Cam Newton, finishing on Cam Newton, he's so slippery, he can get away and, and, you know, you can lose those opportunities Uh, and didn't give up anything big down the field. Just an absolutely fantastic game plan from Vic Fangio, fantastically called game from Vic Fangio and fantastic execution from the defense across the board.
1: And how about this from Vic Fangio on that fourth and 10 call, Ryan, the blitz that he brought, it was the first time he's ever called that blitz ever. He said he had it. It, He was waiting for the right time to use it in the right game. And boy, there was no other time than right then to beat the Patriots, to get your team huge momentum going to play the chiefs next week man, that's a gutsy play because let's say that doesn't work out. Let's say Nikhil Harry doesn't slip and and that's caught and that opportunity was there for the Patriots and Vic Fangio admits that, then a lot of people, you know, would be killing Vic. What are you doing in the most clutch time of the game calling that? But no, it worked out. Vic Fangio got bold all game. Now he's blitzed in back-to-back games left and right all the time. I have absolutely loved it. And, and Vic said, unbeknownst to you guys, uh, I used to be the leading blitzer in the NFL, but my last two stops with Chicago uh, and the 49ers, I haven't been that type of guy uh, because my team hasn't needed it. Well, Vic, your team needs it here, and your team is good when you do it. I know you have uh, Ojemudia back there who's a rookie, but you know what? He's holding up and playing pretty darn well for a rookie, so don't worry about him. Let Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons help him back there. Bryce Callahan's looking good, so don't worry. Keep bringing the heat every single game. I mean, unless it's really ill-advised. I love the way that Vic Fangio called the game against Cam Newton, and look, you knew. That the, that, that the Patriots were going to run the ball. They rushed for 117 yards today, but you know what that magic number was, Ryan? It was 200 yards to get to. The Broncos held them way short of that, did what they needed to do, and, Ryan, the biggest thing of the game was three turnovers. They took the ball away three times. They had two takeaways on the entire season coming into this game. They got three today going up against a former MVP and Bill Belichick, a guy that doesn't lose games from mistakes. The Broncos were able to force him into mistakes because they made big plays and they did that little extra thing on two of them. Justin Simmons gets his hands up when he's not able to get to Cam on a blitz, touches the ball a little bit, makes it easy for Bryce to get the pick. And then of course, Shelby Harris doing what Shelby Harris does, not able to get to Cam on a sack, throws his hands up, tip ball, and Sean Williams making the catch of the game.
0: Yeah. Uh, just just awesome. And, and you pointed out something there. I mean, how about this? Vic Fangio and his coaching staff outcoached Bill Belichick and his coaching staff today. Flat out. Now, they almost undid that at the end. Uh, just in the same way you talk about Drew almost undoing his good performance at the end. Well, so did the Broncos coaching staff. They really made some questionable decisions there at, at the end of the game. And even... Uh, as the as the you know the Patriots were moving down the field, I was like, oh, here we go with the timeouts again. Um, <laughs> but the last person that needs to be heaped praise upon is our DraftKings King of the Game, and that of course is Brandon McManus, Woo! six of six from field goal uh, uh, on field goals. That's a Broncos record for made field goals in a game. He put. 18 points on the board. That's all they would need to win. In fact, they didn't even need his last two. Those were just icing on the cake. Uh, I guess they only needed one of those last two. That was just icing on the cake. But he hit from the 40s, the 30s, the 50s. Just, uh, I mean, he won the football game for them.
1: They won the football game and Ryan, the Broncos needed every single one of those kicks. Let's say Brandon goes five for six, misses one of those 50 yarders goes one for two from 50. You know, I don't think anyone's blaming him for five for six hitting one 50 yard field goal and missing another. Well, then this game would have been in overtime because the Pats would have kicked a field goal instead of gone for it on fourth and 10. And now we're talking about, uh, the Patriots who are trending up going into overtime Broncos who were trending down and, you know, The Pats probably would have come away with that game at home in overtime, but no, Brandon McMoney, as Alex is saying, uh, just hits every single one of them. Ryan, not only did he have a fantastic game, but I'll give you another six. So the triple sixes, which is typically a scary number to see, but Brandon McManus for the sixth time in his career, had a game where he had multiple 50-yard field goals, and that is the most in NFL history ever. Brandon McManus, the guy coming into this season, who rightfully so, got a lot of heat for not being good from 50-plus, and he wasn't. Last year, he was not good, but he has stepped up to the plate, and dare I say, he's knocked it right through from 50-plus. He, he's he been terrific this season, and this game is because of him. So, Brandon McManus... Well, deserved he got one of two Vic Fangio's game balls, and he should have.
0: Absolutely. Uh, down the gooch time and time again <laughs> and you know, uh, I've been hard on him um, because he you know he wants to be a long distance field goal kicker and up until the season wasn't hitting at a good clip from that from that distance. And now he is, uh, and he deserves all the credit in the world. Another guy, and I guess we'll just go through some helmet stickers here. Obviously, McManus gets one. Uh, Another guy who, you know, I I think I might have said it or at least insinuated it at some point, just a guy. And that's Tim Patrick. Uh, And Tim Patrick is not just a guy anymore. He is an NFL receiver and a damn good one at that. Back-to-back 100-yard game. Speaking of long field goals, Tim Patrick 100 yards was my (laughs) 58-yard
1: goal. (laughs) Uh, Right on. And also, got to tip my cap. You said the Broncos were going to pull off the upset. So uh, definitely good call.
0: I sure did. I sure did call that. Uh, I guess I was just on fire today. Um, and Tim Patrick was just awesome. You know, He's so good on that little cover to fade over the corner under the safety. He's really good at knowing kind of where to settle in there. A lot of guys just throttle or just all throttle. And sometimes you can run through the open spot in that zone. He does a really good job of throttling down when he enters that zone and giving the quarterback more time to find him there. So that was awesome. Um, he you know, just made big play after big play, and he keeps, he just keeps making plays. So um, none of it was – I don't think he had any of the drop touchdown balls, did he? No, nope, so, he did uh, not. That's
1: <laughs> the only person that didn't.
0: He gets a big old helmet sticker uh, for another fantastic game.
1: Ryan, I'm going to stick on the offensive side of the ball and slap a helmet sticker on the side of Philip Lindsay's helmet. For a 100-yard game, we're talking about 100-yard games. Ryan, Philip Lindsay had 101 rushing yards, Tim Patrick had 101 receiving yards. Those guys really stepped up. Philip Lindsay, I mean, the way he runs is almost like no one else in the NFL. It's just incredible how it seems like every single run could be broken off for a touchdown. He run with fire. Uh, he was very good. And you know what? He should have had more than 101 rushing yards because near the end of the game, the Broncos should have handed the ball off to Philip Lindsay even more. Uh, and they really rode with him 23 attempts. They weren't afraid to use him, and he still averaged 4.4 yards per carry. So, Philip Lindsay, welcome back. The Broncos desperately needed you today, especially without Melvin Board.
0: Yeah, I mean, People are starting to realize this, right? Like when you have Philip Lindsay on the field, it's more valuable than having Melvin Gordon on the field.
1: That's what Twitter was saying, Ryan. They're finally okay. realizing.
0: Okay. Because I've been saying that since the day they signed Melvin Gordon. And it's not a knock on Melvin Gordon, it's how much I love Philip Lindsay. He makes the offense more explosive, more dangerous. He makes it dif- more difficult for the defense. Uh, and he just brings a different energy that can't be replicated.
1: Now, here's the thing. Maybe the Broncos did miss Melvin Gordon today in the red zone. Maybe if they have him... That's when this game goes from six field goals to four field goals and two touchdowns. This is never a close game in the fourth quarter. Then we're talking about maybe Drew doesn't have one of the interceptions. Maybe Drew doesn't have either of the interceptions because Pat Schirmer says, okay, we don't need to beat the Patriots by, you know, 24 points. We're fine with our 17 point win over them. So now we really will hand the ball off to Phil. So we're, we're seeing maybe Philip Lindsay, and we're not seeing, we kind of knew this. Philip Lindsay can be a workhorse in the NFL, but maybe the compliment to him is that Melvin Gordon in the red zone. And that's why the Broncos signed him. So it's going to be very interesting to see with Melvin Gordon back next week when he's recovered from strep, uh, how the Broncos handle this. Because again, Philip Lindsay topped hundred yards, which isn't a surprise, but they gave him 23 attempts, which shouldn't be a surprise, but they just don't do that with him. So I'm happy to see that when it was only Phil, And Royce also had a good game. But when it was only Phil that they let him be the dude.
0: All right, I'm going to hit three guys uh, right now with helmet stickers that stood out to me especially. First, Garrett Bowles. He's stacking them up. His whole helmet's going to be covered here in a second. Another game with no holds. Another game where he looked like a a legitimate NFL left tackle. Hats off to him. Then I'm going to go to the other side of that offensive line. Boom, DeMar Dotson. Who knew? Oh, right. Everyone except for the Broncos coaching staff knew Damar Dotson was a better option at right tackle uh, than Elijah Wilkinson. Again, I think he got called. He got called for that hands to the face penalty, which I thought was actually pretty ticky tack. He did get his hands in the face, but it, it wasn't. It just kind of like grazed the helmet. Um, uh, just another. Uh, he looked like an NFL right tackle out there, not worrying about getting him just smoked on every play. And then the third one is Austin Schlottman, who, if you didn't hear it, maybe if you had the game on mute, you would have never known that Dalton Reisner went out of the game because Schlottman went in there and filled uh, filled in for him uh, very well, uh, didn't make any big mistakes that I saw. Maybe on some of those runs late, he would have been one of the ones who got beat, but pretty much everyone was getting beat on those runs late. So uh, those three guys on the offensive line, you know, first of all, Drew Locke makes a big difference for them, but they also held up really well for Drew.
1: Yeah, they, they absolutely did. And on the defensive side, where Ryan, I think we can just give stickers to every single one on the defensive side. Another guy I'm giving two stickers to, though, Michael Ojamudia. Mm. I mean, what a game from the rookie. You see rookie moments at times, but he is having fewer and fewer rookie moments every single week, showing that he is a player. Two forced fumbles for the rook. He's doing it right. When he gets beat, he's still right there creating plays. And that's what we saw today. Also seven tackles on the day. He's not afraid to get his nose in there, man. I just, I am just more and more impressed with him every single game. And when everyone was crushing him after the Steelers game, I didn't, I didn't blame him that much. So I think he's had a fantastic season so far.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, you, like you said, you could give it to the entire defense. I want to give a, um, a, uh, perspective, a possible future helmet sticker to someone. Uh, and that's Albert Okuebunam. Um, it's like so close to having one of the most ridiculous breakout rookie games you would have ever seen. Like, he probably should have had over 100 yards and three touchdowns. <laughs> um, instead, he was mo- kind of more of a problem than, more- than part of the solution, unfortunately. But, I mean, you saw what could be there. You saw that Drew Locke knows where he's going to be and knows where to put the ball uh, for him to go up and get it. And you just started to see the flashes. Uh, And I said it when they drafted him, and it's been thrown around a bunch ever since. You saw what could eventually be the Gronk-Aaron Hernandez situation where just no team – teams have a hard enough time having one guy who can cover a big, fast tight end. Almost nobody has two. And you just saw how Albert Okwebenam can work himself open. And you saw that if he finishes those plays, he's going to be a problem for defenses. And that was doing it on his own, you know, without Noah Fant taking the number one tight end covering option off of him. So really excited for what could be in the future for him. Unfortunately, today it was just it was a rookie. Game. He looked like a rookie.
1: Man, and Drew Locke loves him. We knew it, but we thought maybe, okay, well, I guess we didn't think. People thought, you know, maybe in the NFL he's going to be slowed down by the the NFL talent he's going up against. So with having, you know, great options around him, Drew Locke's not going to look his way. No, Drew Locke was looking to him over and over in the end zone. Man, he's a guy where... I'm sure he's not picked up in your fantasy league. You may want to pick him up and just keep him on the bench for a little bit until he uh, until he starts catching those because, man, he is a red zone target already for Drew Locke, which is incredible. And, Ryan, I have to give a helmet sticker to the guy that I think closed this game out. The Broncos have been looking for a closer on the offensive side of the ball on the defensive side of the ball last week, or I guess two weeks ago against the jets. It was Melvin Gordon having that run at the end to really, to really nail the game there this week. It was Malik Reed with that huge sack near the end of the game. The Broncos, Hey, you know, Von Miller, what was that guy to do that years ago? Hasn't really been this past year and a half. Oh, well, last year, I should say, uh, Bradley Chubb, Had a huge sack, but he wasn't getting there at the very end of the game. Malik Reed was the dude. Two sacks for Malik Reed, including a huge one on that last drive.
0: Yep, and then you got to give one to Bradley Chubb for a strip sack. Uh, You got to give one to Bryce Callahan for an interception. Um, You got to give—we already gave one to Oge. I think he forced two fumbles on the day. Got to give one to Shelby Harris. Shelby Harris to Shelby Williams. Uh, Like you said, everyone on the defense... How about Kareem Jackson? That screen they had drawn up uh, late there in the game was perfectly drawn up, and and this is why I call him the wrecking ball. He just flew down there as fast as he could and just threw his body at the legs of the running back and took him out. Uh, Kareem Jackson you know, was the epitome of my nickname for him today. Just a wrecking ball. Just flying in there at full speed and just throwing his body like a wrecking ball. So... I can't think of one player on the defense who didn't play well. Josie Jewell, you, you didn't call his name necessarily much, but he was making plays. Um, he had a a, hit, a big hit on Cam Newton, so it was awesome. Uh, and everything down to the defense play calling, the defensive coordinator, just just fantastic. Uh, and, and the Broncos are in a totally different place than where they were twenty four hours, even hours. The team with momentum. They've got their quarterback back. They've got something working. And unfortunately, now they run into a bit of a buzzsaw. But even now, you can afford to lose to the Chiefs. Um, If you lost this game today, you were staring down the barrel of one and five and you're sunk. You're just a sunk ship at one and five. Two and four, it's not great, but you're still alive. Uh, And You know what? With the way that defense played today, I'm not going to completely rule them out of pulling off an upset again next week.
1: Well, the, the Chiefs are going to be coming off a short week, Ryan, where they play on the road tomorrow, and then they play on the road next Sunday. So, I mean, the Broncos, while it seemed like maybe they were going to have nothing going their way just 24 hours ago with, you know, this game maybe being postponed till Tuesday or something, and then how unfair is it for, for the Broncos? The league is killing the Broncos. Well, now all this schedule adjusting may work out in the Broncos' favor, and you know what? If the Broncos beat the Chiefs next week, the schedule adjusting... Worked 100% in the Broncos' favor. So, Ryan, have we have we ever thought that the Broncos were going to win this division? No. No no. No What? No one has thought that. But if they win next week, they'll only be half a game back in the division lead. Do I think they'll win the division then? No. I, I still don't think so. But, Ryan, we've been talking about, okay, get second place. The Raiders look pretty damn good, I'm not going to lie. I like what the Chargers have in Justin Herbert. They don't seem like a threat for the playoffs this year, even with Herbert looking really good. But, Ryan... If you beat the Chiefs next week, I mean, you could you're not crazy to say, wow, Broncos are half a game back of the division lead if the Chiefs also lose tomorrow. But you're not crazy to say at 3 and 3 on a three-game win streak, why can't the Broncos compete for for the Raiders and heck, they don't even need to be second in the division. If if you are 3 and 3 next week, you have a huge opportunity to be 9 and 7, be that seventh, sixth playoff team. The Raiders can join you in the playoffs and there can be three AFC West teams in the playoffs. It's so crazy just to say that we are in this position right now. This was a huge, huge upset for the Broncos, uh, almost double digit underdogs at one time. And they're going to be double digit underdogs again next week, but the Broncos just did it now. So I think next week's game is certainly harder than this week's game. But what if the Broncos kick four field goals next week, Ryan, and they score two touchdowns and they don't have two interceptions in, in, in the fourth quarter, putting that on Drew and the play calling. I mean, that's why I think we do need to talk about the whole picture of this game because the Broncos tried to blow this game. Drew Locke tried to blow it. Pat Shermer tried to blow it, and they didn't. They did not blow this game on the road.
0: Exactly, and that's all that matters Like to me. I, lo- like, I honestly think for a young team, the best thing that can happen is a game where they make a ton of mistakes and win. Because, you know, let's look back at the Houston game last year. The Broncos didn't really learn anything from that game. They didn't, you know, they just walked all over the Texans for, you know, 48 minutes and, and or for 60 minutes and just walked out of there. And, and like it was, you know, it was easy. This, you learn some lessons today. I think you learned some really, I think Pat Shermer learned lessons. I think Drew Locke learned lessons. I think everyone across the board learned something today. And that's what this football team needs. They need to learn. They need to improve. They need to get better. And they're going to have a much bigger test next week. Um, Now, this is a Patriots team that uh, might have beat the Chiefs if they had Cam Newton out there that night. Uh, Obviously, the game could have been totally different. But, they they murkyed that game up enough where they showed at least a little bit of a game plan. I think of how you can slow that team down. So it was a huge upset to beat them on the road. Uh, and like you said, it's going to be a, it would take a huge upset to win next week. But you said something. You said, "Hey, if they you know they win next week, I'm not going to be talking about winning the division. You know, I'm talking nine and seven. If they win next week, there's going to be no slowing down the hype because you're talking about a team with two wins over many people." Ago were the team teams, or two three best teams in the AFC, uh, and, and a team that, you know that's won three games in a row? I, I, I certainly will not be pumping any sort of breaks on that football team. But again, it's a huge if we don't need to jump too far forward right now. Uh, but it it's something. Uh, something it's in it exists now. That world exists now, and it did not it did not exist just a couple hours ago.
1: And you lose against the Chiefs. You hope that it's a competitive one, but if you lose, regardless of what it is, well, you're two and four. You're two and one in your last two games, or in your last three games, and one of those losses was against the Super Bowl champions. And likely they'll be they'll be six and one after that game because I think they beat the Bills tomorrow on the road. And if they beat the Broncos, they'll be six and one. So there's no shame in losing that game, Ryan. But you've set yourself up where then you play the Chargers. Well, you can beat them. You should beat them. At home, if you want to be a playoff team, then you're three and four, then you play the Falcons. Well, maybe they're rejuvenated. Maybe they're better. They have a lot of talent on their team, but there's your opportunity to be 500 halfway through the season. You're going to be a lot healthier there. So that's kind of probably the realistic route, but we wouldn't be able to talk about that if they didn't get that today, Ryan, because it, it would have been so tough. To talk ourselves into, okay, one and five, how do the Broncos slide back in? Okay, they have to go eight and two. Here are the two games. No, it, you can't go down that road. Right now, you can absolutely go down the road. So, uh, it, Drew Locke played great, exceptional for the first three quarters, except for not getting the ball into the end zone, but that's on the entire offense. Really didn't play well in the fourth, but at the end of the day, got the dub. And Drew Locke now, when he's played the entire game, is five and two. And the NFL playing and going up against a lot of playoff teams in that stretch. Of course, if you want to throw the Steelers game in there because he's technically started, he still has a winning record, five and three. But when he's played the whole game, five and two, you'll take that every single time, of course. That's about a 12 and four record, by the way.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, I was going to wait for Mace, but we've been waiting on Mace for a while now. So maybe he'll come in during this. Uh, I want to play the blame game, Zach. You have a pie. The full pie is 100%. I assume you understand that. You Can it, have to,
1: can it, can it be an ice cream cake?
0: Uh, yes, it can be an okay, ice cream good, cake. Good. You have to dole out blame for what went wrong in the fourth quarter. Give me a percentage of who you're placing how much blame on for what a lot of people are saying took the good taste out of their mouth with this win. I can't comprehend that. Uh, if this was college football, you know, this was, you beat a top 25 team. You just don't care how you got the win. You got the win. But a lot of people feel like they have a bad taste in their mouth because of the way things went late. So I ask you, who, how are you doling out the percentage of blame uh, for the way things went?
1: Hmm. Okay. So you, you gotta have, I need to know who's in the equation first. You gotta have Deshaun Hamilton in the equation. You gotta have Drew Locke in the equation. You gotta have Pat Shermer in the equation. The defense did give up a lot of points in the fourth quarter. Uh they gave up nine, which isn't ideal. But I don't know who I'm pointing the finger on there. Cause the offense really put them in bad positions. I mean, is it just those three, Ryan? Am I missing anyone big?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess you could include Vic Fangio just because he's the head coach. Um, but Yeah,
1: I just I I am you know what? I'm gonna take Vic's any any Vicks blame put on Pat Shermer.
0: Um, All
1: right, uh, um, because we know Vic likes to stick to the defense, let Pat do the offense. So I'm probably going to go a different direction with this delicious ice cream pie. It, we actually probably should have gone with like a gross pie if we're delivering it out to the people that deserve blame. But I'm going to go drew with 60%. Oof. Yeah, he, he get he gets a large piece of the pie. Here. Well, I
0: guess Tim Patrick would be in the pie too. If you thought that it was his fault on the miscommunication on that route.
1: Well, that's a good point. Just that like one's Vic, hard to
0: do. we don't just know. like Vic.
1: I'm putting it. All, I'm putting it all on Drew. So Tim, you you, you get off lucky here because you have back to back hundred yard games. So sixty percent to uh, to Drew. Oh man, maybe I want to look fifty percent to Drew, thirty percent to Pat Shermer, and twenty percent to Deshaun Hamilton.
0: How much did you give? Forty uh, or thirty percent to Pat Shermer? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to to be very opposite of you. Yeah. Uh, I am putting this 75% know seventy percent on Pat Shermer, 25% on Drew Locke, 5% on Deshaun Hamilton. It, it, you know, it was... Those plays happen all the time. Um, I just... I can't get past the missed... Uh, like, the lack of awareness of where the game was. Again, if it was eight points and you were one score away from them coming back, then I understand throwing it on third and 11. It was nine. It was nine points. as a two-score game. Every second is, is extremely valuable to them. Uh, and I realize that if you convert that first down, then you're not worrying about this. You still take 40 seconds off the clock there. You put them deep in their, uh, in their own territory. So it's not just the cl- time you take off the clock from, that, from running the ball – It's also the time you take off the clock from how long it's going to take them to march down the field if they even do march down the field. That was just a a completely tone deaf play on my, in in my opinion. And then somehow, some way you came back with a worse play call on first down (laughs) of the next series. I got to go back and see it because I don't even think there was an outlet available for Drew on that play. I'm pretty sure that everyone stayed in and it was three verticals down the field. Meaning, his only options were take a sack, throw it away, or throw it deep. And again, he—this is where his blame comes in the most. He should have taken a sack there, or thrown the ball away, or or ran out of the pocket, done whatever you needed to do, except for throwing it into coverage there. But how? You know, you're the coach. You're the one who's supposed to. You're the one who's supposed to make the good decision, so you don't put your players in a bad place. And I guarantee you, Vic Fangio would tell you the same thing. Uh, behind closed doors, that was a terrible play call. He put his players in a bad position. So it's up to the coaches to put the players in a position to succeed. All Pat Shermer did was put v- Drew Lock in a position to fail there. Now it's up to Drew Lock to not to avoid that position. Do so. That's why he gets five blame, in my opinion. But we're going vertical first. First down. All you have to do is move the chain a couple times, and the game is over. The ball, or at least give him something easy—a bubble screen, anything, anything—but going vertical. I just that makes no sense to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and Pat was probably saying, you know, Shooter's going to shoot as uh Drew would probably say, uh it's the wrong call. Uh you know, Shooter's going to shoot and you're going to take those shots in the first three quarters, which I absolutely love, but you got to play smart ball in the fourth quarter, Pat. But at the end of the day, you know, the coach sends it in and Drew Lock is the one pulling the trigger uh, on both of those. So, I understand why you're putting a lot of, of blame there but you ultimately do have to have confidence in your quarterback and maybe Pat next time he sends that play call out. I hope it doesn't happen in that same situation, but if he does, hopefully they've talked about it through the week of drew. If it's not wide open, you got to run. You, you got to take off. E- even if you, even if you self sack, uh, you know, do a Peyton Manning, just fall down, keep the clock going. You live to see another day. But then also at that exact same time, if you're telling Drew that, why not just give Philip Lindsay the ball and get 4.4 yards with the opportunity for it to break for a first down, keep the chains moving. So I totally, totally understand uh, what, where you're coming from. And then on that other one, we'll find out a little more through the week. If that was on Tim Patrick, Drew, was it a miscommunication? Was just, what is it, a terrible back shoulder throw? Because it, if it was a back shoulder throw, like the broadcast was trying to say, it was really far off. But whatever that was, you just need to make smarter plays uh, when you're in the fourth quarter. So Drew through the first three quarters was fantastic. Obviously, the stats don't back it up. The eye test doesn't back it up. The play calling doesn't back it up. In the fourth quarter, it it was bad. But, Ryan, with that, you have a learning moment. You have a teaching moment, and you get the dub. Yeah, I understand why fans right after the game, they were checking to see if their heart was still around. But, yeah. The hearts is still around, and the season is still around, Ryan. And
0: and you have a quarterback who will learn from mistakes. You know, he's not uh, arrogant. I guarantee you, he took the blame for it after the game, and he'll go back and watch the tape, and he'll learn from those mistakes. Um, but again, you won the football game, uh, and we win here because we have Mace on the back end. So let's bring in our guy. Is it? Oh, uh, it, oh, it's. Uh, what, what was my what was my nickname? Uh, for the duck mask he doesn't have the duck mask
2: yeah it's the duck mask turned the other way so it's the difference between the the n95 it looks like uh howard the duck or donald duck this is just well, it's kind of protruding like that you know but yes. <laughs> a little bit different but how are you guys
0: we are great mace um you came in on on the least positive vibes time of the podcast <laughs> so i apologize to you for that no but fine. what we're what we're doing right now we're playing the blame game Um, And I want to know from you what percentage you are putting on any culprits that you uh, you believe are involved as for what went wrong for the Broncos in the fourth quarter.
2: Okay, well, I mean, I think first of all, I mean, Drew Locke, he took the blame in particular for interception number one, the miscommunication with Tim, Tim Patrick. Now. Part of that, I think, is the quarterback putting it on on himself, part of it. Uh, I think uh, maybe Tim Patrick uh, didn't break back like he should have, and I'm sure they'll get into that. So, a little bit. So, you take that. You take the play call on the next series with the interception, and that's what I – I mean, I, I don't necessarily fault Drew Locke. I fault the fact that you're looking deep in that scenario when you are literally two first downs away from icing the game and Philip Lindsay's been running the ball well all day. So I put some of it on Sherm, Pat Shermer. I put the execution somewhat on Drew Locke, a little bit for that first interception on, on Tim Patrick. So I mean, maybe probably a little bit more on Pat on Pat Shermer because that second interception, that's the one that really kind of gets into me. Like, why are you doing that? Yeah. In that scenario. So if we're playing blame game, I'm saying probably 50 Shermer, 30 Locke. 20 Tim Patrick, at least for those two mistakes specifically those two interceptions, but I mean
0: Deshaun Hamilton was another guy that we talked oh, about. Oh,
2: and then and if you go beyond the fourth quarter, you talk about passes going you know through through arms. You talk about Albert O having a touchdown stripped out of, out of him in the end zone. I mean this was not a day where the Broncos pass catchers completely bathe themselves in glory. They left a lot of points and a lot of opportunities out there over the course of the game, but you do admire the aggression. You're like, okay, if they can execute this a little bit better, they're going to be in better shape. And I mean, it's a cliche, but they, they found a way to win. Even though, even though the, the the passing game just did not have the consistency that you want or, or need to have, you still won. Yeah. So
1: Mace, I, I have to ask. Sorry for sorry for jumping in. I have to ask the the most important question. I think. What did you think of Drew Lock in this game? How did Drew Lock do?
2: Well, he he got up when he took a hit. Remember, he had that hit when he was running to running in goal to go, and I thought, okay, he how's he going to look? But he he got up he he got up and he merged fine. Uh, that being said, you know there you know he did have he did have the drops, but he did he did have some throws that he. That he missed. I mean, it was just it was just an okay game for Drew Locke. And nothing great, nothing special. And it sort of hit me that even though the Chiefs game is next week, I feel like in some ways the more fascinating collision is coming up here in two weeks when the Chargers come into Denver. Because you've I think you've got two young quarterbacks and you have one young quarterback who has who is playing very well in Justin Herbert and putting up some dazzling numbers, but doesn't have the dubs. Now, some of that is beyond him. And then you have Drew Locke, who now, if you you have an eight-game sample size, well, seven and a quarter because he got hurt against Pittsburgh, but he has eight starts. And over the course of those eight starts, his passer rating now is a, a pretty nondescript 83.2. But the Broncos are six and two. And really, I mean, you can, you can kind of distill it down and say they're, they're, you know, there's, or pardon me, they're, uh, they're five Five and and three, five and three, they're five and two when he actually plays start to finish. So you have a quarterback who maybe doesn't have the spectacular production, but has the dubs and a court and another quarterback who's doing wonderfully in terms of numbers and, and, and accuracy, but, doesn't have the dubs so I mean what do you you know what do you value more what is it what goes into winning and losing I mean some of it is also you look at the fact that Denver's defense is playing a lot better than the Chargers defense but sort of a fascinating test of how you view young quarterbacks is it all about the wins and losses or is it about the performance or is it somewhere in between man I
1: love these next two weeks because you get Drew going up against the best in the NFL next week see how he's able to go toe-to-toe with him and then the following week Drew Going up uh, against a guy that your general manager loved maybe just as much as he loved you. That's going to be the John Elway quarterback bowl. there. Two young guys. I love that Drew's going to get both of these tests. The Chiefs, fantastic at winning. Patrick Mahomes is the best. On the opposite end, you get a very talented young quarterback who doesn't have a a team that wins and Justin Herbert isn't a winner. It's going to be great to see him go up against these two guys the next week, two
0: weeks. It really is. And it's, it's a big, you know, test of where he is going to fall on that stick. Um, And I think Macy made a good point. It's not all about wins and losses. It's not all about how you look It's somewhere in between. And that's uh, just, you know, it it makes, you know, that's what makes this forum so important where you can Mm -hmm. talk about the nuances Uh, and and talk about all that because we know that drew lock drew lock probably had an awful passer rating today but we know that it probably should have been a hell of a lot better than that and in fact you know when we go back to that blame conversation if deshaun hamilton just makes that catch you maybe end up with you know lock having one or zero uh touchdowns and right. zero interception like th- it's just that nothing happens if he just makes that catch
2: well i do you know, we're in new england we're in the home of robert frost two roads diverged in the yellow wood took the one less traveled by unfortunately the broncos took the road where deshaun hamilton dropped the pass and that led to the two picks so it's 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 fa- it's kind of fascinating to play that that what if that what if game i mean it, it's unfortunate that Deshaun Hamilton's involved because I think we all we all like him. He's a good dude, Good been good to talk to in the locker room. He's honestly, when that pass went sailed in the air, in my mind I'm saying, please Why? catch it, Deshaun. No, I'm saying, please catch it, Deshaun. Please catch it.
0: Zach, your eyes got really big there for a second.
1: Oh, my goodness, because you said, I'm sure Drew Locke's passer rating was not good. Mm-hmm. Whoa, was it bad? What, what, what was it bad? And I, I've been a lot harder on Drew than than you, Ryan. But yeah, his passer rating is not even close, not even close to just how how good he was. Ryan, have you seen the passer rating? I know Mace has. I have not. Yeah. What would be your guess? I mean, I, I'm giving you as many hints here as I can, but, uh, but it was worse than bad, bad um, than worse.
0: I'm going to say it was a 22.
1: Close 34 and guys in the fourth quarter, and just why I couldn't look past it. I'm sorry for busting your positive vibes only at the beginning of the show, Ryan, but a zero passer rating in the fourth quarter.
2: Oh, yeah. the, the dreaded blue Tarski 0.
1: 0.0. But you came away <laughs> with the dub. Away. So, so Ryan, is it you? Are you going to be the one eating the dub for us tonight? No,
0: I'm not doing that. Uh, but What I will say is this. My perspective on the Broncos changed a lot today, Uh, and there's two things that caused that. We, maybe less than a week ago, said a sentence, and I've said it, is the Broncos have a very small margin of error. And that just simply wasn't true today. Because of Drew Locke, I believe, and mostly because of how well the defense played, you know, this is like an 80-20 scenario. 80% goes to the defense. And 20% goes for Drew Lock being able to move the ball into scoring position in the first place. But because of those two things, this team's margin of error just grew by 10. Uh, now, you're not going to have your defense play that well every week. But if they can play like that, the margin of error for this offense goes up. The margin of error for this team all around goes up. The errors, I mean – you could make a low light reel from this game of just error after error, after error, after error, after error, after error. the Broncos might've made 10 critical errors in this game and still won the football game. So when that defense plays like that, and when drew lock is on the field, the margin of error conversation for this team completely flips around.
2: And the thing is maybe not next week going up against Kansas city in that offense. But I think the defense is capable of playing like this in future weeks. And I think some of the things that, they, that they've done the last couple of games, in particular being aggressive, there were more blitzes against the Jets, of course, than against the Patriots because you were kind of uh, making sure that you weren't letting Cam Newton get out of control. But when they have blitzed, it has been effective. It has been timely. And even though it's not something that you really wanted when you were drawing this defense up back in the, uh, in the summertime, It's something that with this personnel can work and it's certain. Another reason it can work guys is you're getting today. You had great play on the back end in the secondary for the most part. I mean, Michael Ojemudia was terrific. Kareem Jackson just was like a guided missile out there. I, at at times Bryce Callahan had a really good game. Now plug AJ Boye into that mix here in the next couple of weeks. And, yeah, you can blitz because you can count on those four or five guys on the back end to be able to hold up there into the bargain. It gives you a lot more options with what you do with your front six guys when you're in that five man nickel.
1: Yeah, I, I I love the the positivity and optimism for the defense. I don't think that they can play this well, really. Maybe at, at the rest of the season, and that's not a bad thing. But, guys, 12 points, that's beyond elite giving up. Three turnovers, this is the first time we've seen it. I mean, coming into this game, they had two turnovers all season. I believe that they can get more turnovers, but three turnovers a game is absolutely insane. And then one thing that Bill Belichick said after the game, you know, a lot of people are saying it's an excuse. He didn't necessarily say it as an excuse, but he said, we need to practice. And the fact is the Patriots hadn't practiced, and their offensive line... Was and I know you're going to say that, and but their their offensive line was just in shambles today. So I I think it's going to be nearly impossible for the Broncos to do this again. But here here's the good thing: they can give up 20 points, and this offense can just get one touchdown today. Well, the Broncos are still winning. This defense can be very very good. Uh, I just don't think it's it's realistic to expect 12 points, three turnovers uh again but i'm very very encouraged with the way this mm-hmm. defensive played uh and you may get aj Boye back next week uh if not you're gonna have him back in two weeks Noel Fant's gonna be back melvin gordon's gonna be back i mean the fact that the broncos went in there uh w- without a lot of their key guys and got the dub is huge with all of the mistakes we've talked about
0: if you just listen to the broadcast you'd think the patriots were the only ones dealing with injuries
1: the uh, it, it, well, that that's for sure. And if you would listen to the broadcast, well, all they had to do was listen to me talk to
2: Pat Shermer to find out how to pronounce Big O's name.
0: Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh!
2: Between they... yeah, TV broadcast, I had the Patriots radio broadcast on up here, and of course we had the press box PA. I don't think they ever got Okaway Bunam's surname right all day, and I believe I heard about eight different pronunciations, and. The worst? O- OG oh. media was a challenge too. <laughs>
0: oh, the worst one was OG, what did they say? OG, OG Mido or something like that. I was like, oh wow, that wasn't even close. Like, did you not take notes on this?
1: Guys, I kid, I kid you not. It, I think it was the third quarter. Of course, I was seeing all the tweets of people saying, how is this broadcast crew not pronouncing these names right? I didn't realize they weren't pronouncing the names right because the names were so far off. I thought they were talking about Patriots players every <laughs> single time until I heard Nam mm-hmm. in the second half, and, of course, it didn't sound anything like that.
0: <laughs> oh, man. But this is a, this is one of my favorite types of wins, guys, because this, this win uh, gave us things to debate. It mm-hmm. gave us uh, things to talk about. It gave the Broncos ways to improve. Uh, and it gave us, you know, a lot of ammunition as we go into this next week. Um, to me, uh, you know, someone in the comments said you, ha- you have to acknowledge that it's an ugly win. Or if you don't acknowledge that, you know, the bad stuff, then you can't get better. I, I'm i not practicing this week, so it's, I don't have to do that. I can say that a win is a win on the road in Foxborough against a team that many people thought were a lock to win their division just a couple weeks ago. Uh, to me, I'm go. Uh, that's what I'm looking at. As I'm saying, this team got their energy back today. They got their swagger back on defense, and they went and they pulled off an upset. And yes, we can talk about all that stuff until the cows come home. But all that matters is that they won, and now they can go apply the lessons that they learned.
1: And here's here's what I love about this because I view it very differently than you, Ryan. And we found that out with uh, you know just in the first ten minutes of this podcast. But how I view it, let's say the Broncos played a perfect game today and they beat the Patriots 18-12 to and needed Nikhil Harry to fall down on 4th and 10, well, then, you know, it's a it's a fun winning podcast, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, after this pod, we're like, yikes. I mean, what's the Chiefs score going to be next week? Are they even going to be able to beat the Chargers? So I view it as the Broncos played anywhere from a perfect game. We've had uh, ten, mis- 10 big mistakes. Drew Locke a zero passer rating in the fourth quarter, but you come out with the dub. And the season's alive. And you know, even if they lose to the Chiefs next week, which Vegas says will absolutely happen, the season is still alive. And and it's great to in week seven next week that we're not talking about, okay, don't get blown out. And if you lose, well, the season's over. The season's still alive and that's huge.
2: Yeah, it probably comes down to that Charger game now. If you can't get an upset next week, probably comes down to Drew locking Justin Herbert in two weeks because that could be the one that uh, that sends you on uh, one path or the other. You beat the Chargers and you lose to the Chiefs. You're three and four, and I think you've got a pretty good chance of being 500 at midseason after going down to Atlanta, lose to the Chargers, then probably staring at six and ten, seven and nine once again.
0: Yep, yep absolutely. Um, and I'm just, I'm just glad that's what we're. Ta- I'm glad we're talking yeah. about the season being in the balance at all because if they lost this game today, it'd be a different conversation. Um, so they got the win. Drew Locke's back. Plenty to work on and a big challenge ahead of them coming up this week. We will discuss it every single day of the week on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Thanks to everyone who tuned in with us. Big thank you to Breckenridge Brewery for being the presenting sponsor of these post-game lives. Uh, and thank you to you guys. We will talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast.